This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Our reading on Easter Sunday is found from John's Gospel in the 20th chapter. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and she said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He went down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand Scripture, that he must rise from the dead." And then the disciples returned to their home. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around And saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to them, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and sisters and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said all of these things to her. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Grace and peace and mercy be yours through Jesus, risen from the dead. Amen. It might be the biggest words of understatement in all of Scripture. John begins this reading of the resurrection of Jesus by saying, while it was still dark. Wow. Everything had begun with a promise, um, and then everything had fallen to pieces. Judas, one of the disciples, betrayed Jesus. Jesus was arrested. Peter, who would go on to be the head of the church, denies Jesus, not once, but three times. All of the people who had flocked to Jesus, who he had fed, who he had healed, who he had welcomed, got caught up in in fear and and political power and bloodlusts. 
and violence, and they all were shouting, crucify, crucify, and that's what happened. They beat him, they mocked him, they spit on him, they lynched him. Crucified, died, and buried is what we say in a creed. And Mary, Mary makes her way to that tomb, and my hunch that it felt like a kind of darkness that was never going to go away. Maybe she just needed to see it again. I don't know. Closure. Maybe she just wanted to make sure that everything was clean and taken care of. She loved Jesus that much. Maybe she just needed some fresh morning air. We don't know. We don't have a clue about what motivates Mary in this text. But John writes that early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb. And just when things can't get any darker for her, she sees that the stone has been rolled away. Wasn't it enough that they'd killed him? Wasn't it enough that they'd humiliated him? Wasn't it enough that they had already won? How much worse can it get? Desecrate my Lord's grave. She runs back to the disciples who are still hiding in their own kind of grief and darkness. And she says, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know. We don't know where he's at. Peter and John run to see for themselves. They don't stop at the entrance like Mary did. They go inside. First Peter, then John, and sure enough, the damn tomb is empty. Grave clothes that had been wrapped with spices around the body of Jesus are folded up neatly, set on the stone. And none of that is making sense to anyone in the darkness. Who takes off the burial clothes before stealing a body? Who folds things up neatly when you're desecrating a grave? But it's still so dark, and they can't figure it out. All that they can do is fall back into the darkness, into the grief, back into the locked doors. But Mary, Mary's stuck there. She's stuck. She can't leave. It's like, like grief is literally holding her there. And she does, I think, what most of us do whenever someone dies. And maybe this is the first time she let it happen when no one else was around. She weeps, says Scripture. She weeps. She weeps. How could this have happened? A few days ago, I was rubbing oil on his feet, and now I can't even find his body. And at some point, who knows how long, she decides to look into the tomb for herself. But her eyes have adjusted to the dark. Um, She can't process what it is that she sees. John says there are two angels, but she, she can't see that. The last time we, we heard angels when we were all together on a festival day, we were all singing, angels we have heard. It's not that kind of angel. It's dark, dark. She's, she's stuck. She's stuck in a Good Friday world, and, and everyone knows that when you're stuck in that kind of world, you can't see angels. In a Good Friday world, you can only see threat. You, you can't see comfort. In a Good Friday world, you don't greet people with hope. You greet people with suspicion. In a Good Friday world, your eyes have gotten used to the dark, and everyone you see is not a potential friend, not a potential sister and brother in Christ. Everyone you see is a potential thief, an alien, a stranger, out to get me, even if it's two angels sitting in a tomb. Woman, why are you weeping? They've taken away my Lord, and I can't find him. And I want to go on record right here and say... um, That's decidedly more biblical than how I would have answered them. Why are you weeping? Because I can't stop thinking about thousands of children are poisoned in Flint, Michigan. 
That's why I'm crying. Why are you weeping? Because more innocent people have been blown up again this week, and the whole world's concerned about about a bunch, bunch of white people in Belgium and in Nigeria. 22 people were killed in a mosque the same week, and nobody batted an eye in this country. Why are you weeping? Because there's all kinds of cures for cancer, and we all know that, but some of the people I love most aren't finding them right now. Why are you weeping? Because I, I, I can't stand another political them and us comment, another blame somebody else. Woman, why are you weeping? Because they've taken Jesus, and I don't know where he is right now. And I just get the sense that at this point, Mary's just about had all she can take. So she turns. She turns to leave. But as she turns, there's somebody standing there. There's somebody actually blocking her, blocking her way. Somebody that John says, not Mary, John says is the risen Lord Jesus. She didn't recognize him. Sir, she says, if you have carried him away, just tell me where he's at and I'll take care of him. Just let me go back and get the body. Let me put it back where it's supposed to be. Let me roll the stone back in place. Let all this be done. Let all this be over with. Just let me adjust to this and survive somehow. But Jesus won't let her do that. Let me just make sure you heard that. Because it's not about something she said. It's not about something she believed. She doesn't have all the answers, much less any of the answers. She's not putting on her big girl pants. She's not pulling herself up out of the pit. She's not getting her act together. She's stuck. She's in the dark, and Jesus won't let her stay there. Jesus does the one thing that he knows will clear her dark eyes. He calls her by her name, Mary. It's like the risen Lord knows that when you're living in a Good Friday world, when your eyes have grown so used to the darkness around you, when your heart's broken, when you're tired of weeping, when the shroud of grief and loss and brokenness are everywhere, one thing can bring you back to life. It is the voice of Jesus calling your name. God does that in all kinds of ways. God does it with music that frees our souls. God does it with a word of grace. God does it with a hug from a dear friend. God does it with the laughter of a child. God does it with a casserole of a Stephen minister. God does it with a dream or a vision or just some sense that I'm hearing the voice of God. God uses all kinds of people, all kinds of tactics, all kinds of elements, all kinds of ways. God even uses like communities, even communities as broken as this one. God uses bread and wine and water, a cup of good coffee, some children's crackers, a cookie, a smile. God uses just one person noticing I see you, and I'm, I'm glad that you are here with us. God calls our name in the midst of the darkness. And to tell the truth in the church, that's where Easter always happens. Easter happens in the darkness. In the darkness, in the chaos, in the hot mess, in the hell, in the grief, in the brokenness, in the hopelessness, in the God-forsakenness, in the ugliness, and the senselessness, and the failure, and the disappointment. And let's admit again, we all understand all of that because we're all enmeshed in all of that. In the midst of all of it, and more and worse, our testimony from generation to generation is that God is at work calling each and every one of us out of the darkness into the light of Christ. 
God does God's best work in the dark. Always has. Always will. The risen Lord Jesus calls out Mary's name, and she recognizes him, and instantly her night turns into day. That is what's called, by the way, a moment. It's a God moment. And right here, church people now, is where it starts to get a little tricky. Whenever you have one of those kind of moments, you just kind of want to bottle it. Mary tries to do what Peter and James and John tried to do on the Mount of Transfiguration. She tries to grab it. She tries to contain it. She embraces Jesus, which of course is normal and expected, but then she doesn't want to let him go. Jesus has to say to her, stop holding on to me. Stop clinging to me. That's, that's not what you do now. That's what you do in the darkness. Now in the light, when you've experienced the power of life, <clears throat> when you've heard the risen Lord call your name one way or another, you, you quit trying to contain and control and hoard God and good things. You can't can it, you can't box it, you can't save it for a rainy day when you think you'll need it. That's not how God works. That's not what you do now after you've heard your name spoken by the risen Lord. What you do now is you receive it, you give thanks, you trust, you go, you, you tell, and you share, you share. You go and you tell your sisters and brothers that even though we can, in fact, kill God's love right now, God's love isn't going to stay dead. You go and you tell your sisters and brothers that death itself has lost its sting and that there's nothing that is ever going to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, not even the powers and the principalities that deal in death, not even death itself. You go and you tell your brothers and sisters that the risen Lord is not just called my name, but he's calling your name as well. And you go and you tell anyone who will listen because you know that it is the only thing that was able to clear the darkness and bring light. Now, someone is going to say, prove it. Let me help you now. When someone asks you about the resurrection, and I've got this little button I'm committed to wearing for the next seven weeks, that ought to get really interesting. Prove it. This is what you say. I can't. Just stand there and look kind of silly and say, I, I can't. I can't prove it. I can't explain it. I, I can't force it to make sense for you. I can't even understand it myself. But we believe it. We believe it. Mm. That's our testimony, that even when we have our heads in the sand, which is another kind of darkness in the world, even in those times when our eyes have adjusted to the darkness, even when the darkness has taken hold of our imaginations and our relationships and the nations of the world, even when it smells like death and seems like it's never, ever going to stop, our testimony as the people of Jesus is that God always does God's best work in the dark and new life, hope, always arises. We believe that on the other side of death and pain, on the other side of broken promises and persecution, on the other side of all this crap in life, there is always resurrection. There is always a new creation, a new being, a new life. 
And we look for, that's the words we use in the Nicene Creed, we look for, we anticipate, we trust in the resurrection of the dead in the life of a world to come. We believe in the calling of our names. So, sisters and brothers, this is my testimony. Easter 2016, it is a dark world out there. It's a really dark world right now. But we have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah.